After School Special Podcast. After School Special Podcast. After School Special Podcast. After School Special Podcast. I told you I'd shoot, but you didn't believe me. Why didn't you believe me? Let me set the scene. We're on the beach. Don and I are laying with towels. John at the snack bar. We don't know where he went to. He's getting hot dogs, but seagulls in the background. Don and I sitting on the beach. Me reading a book, Anne Rice book, about vampires, sexy vampires. But now we realize, oh my gosh, there's a big orange couch on the fucking beach. We got to get back to the podcast. It's Snick. The time has come. The big orange couch is in place. So hop on and... So, going through, Snick. Don, my friend, John, we left him at the snack bar. We don't know where he is. He's lost. He's lost, so we have to start without him. I hope everything is... Everything is fine. Everything Second is good. Second season, and he's nowhere to be found. We left them on a deserted mm. island like the fucking show Lost. Yeah. And also, I want to thank, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank all the people that have been reviewing, writing reviews, subscribing, all that stuff. It means the fucking world to us. Absolutely. And this is our technically our second season, and I think we're going to continue to do seasons, but we're going to roll out with more content as, as much as possible, and hopefully down the line we're going to start doing some video stuff so you can actually see my face. I don't know if the other guys are going to do their faces, but you get to see my big bushy beard and my, you know, chiseled, chiseled cheekbones, blue eyes, sexy as fuck. And <laughs> I want to give a shout out real quick. This podcast, two cool guys, they gave us a shout out on their podcast. The podcast is called Core Extra, C-O-R-E-X-T-R-A podcast. Just want to give them a shout out. They Yeah, all the people supporting us right now, it, it means the absolute world to us because this is something that we want to do you know as middle-aged men coming up on 40 we want to be what do you mean i'm kids 20 again <laughs> the fuck are you talking about <laughs> dude you're older than i am hey man that's my hollywood age you just had a birthday <laughs> yeah but i look like i'm 18 years old especially when i shave Maybe just not. a tired 18 year old and you know all the happiness drained from him Maybe um, to like uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor, you look eighteen, but oh. uh, well, that's a bad Taylor. reference. She's dead. Well, you did. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. I was trying to think of like a cougar, Liz Tay. Liz Tay. It, okay, so great segue yeah. into our topic today, Snick. Before Dan Schneider got weird with all the feet stuff and you know child pedophilia. That, that's just me. Sorry, you're looking at me like I'm weird, whoa, but no, it's whoa, really, freaking new. <laughs> allegedly, okay, allegedly. <laughs> wow, you saved yourself. We're, we're talking a little bit of Nickelodeon, but we're talking about the the years of SNCC, okay? This lasted from, just to give a little history, started in August 15, 1992 and ended uh, January 29th, 2005. The main thing that we want to talk about on this episode, though, is the debut uh, lineup. 
So I did a post the other day on Instagram about Geraldine Laybourne. She was the one that basically had gotten this started, thinking that, you know, there a lot of people didn't think that there was an, an audience for kids and TV programming on Saturday nights. And she was like, no, fuck that. We're going to put this out. We're going to call it Snick Saturday Night Nickelodeon, because at the time they had Nick at Night. And but they were mainly shown like the like the old sitcoms from back way back in the day. Yep. Yeah. Like uh, the monster. That's how we all know about the monsters still. Because, you know, some of us, if it was wintertime, you know, we weren't going out Saturdays to play with friends, maybe sledding. I don't know. But for the most part, we were inside. So we'd watch the older shows. Huh? What? Um, Oh, nothing. You said sledding. (laughs) You said sledding. I'm like, oh, maybe for some of us. uh, Was that a derogatory remark towards my European brethren? No, it wasn't. (laughs) It's an astute observation. Nobody was sledding. In Detroit, no, no, one was in Detroit. no, sir. Maybe Metro Detroit, maybe, but no. So you were sledding at yes. eight at <laughs> night. Uh, yeah. Sometimes if it got late, you know, it's uh, Dad would have uh the cocoa for us and the uh, hot cocoa, and we'd go sledding, and he'd have his dad cocoa, which was mainly whiskey. Irish cocoa. <laughs> oh yeah, the Irish, the Irish cocoa. cocoa. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which he, you know, had let me. I remember he gave me like a nip of it one time. It's like that'll put hair on your chest, and then I drank it and I threw up. And you know, it. Needless to say, years later, same thing happens. Okay, so just to go back to like the Nickelodeon president, Geraldine Laybourne, she was the Nickelodeon president. This woman is a godsend as far as I'm concerned. I did that post mainly because she trust like she basically knew her audience knew kids that wanted content during those hours and she gave it to us she also created you know like so mall history of nickelodeon you know nickelodeon back in the day was almost unsellable when it got to the 90s i think one of their biggest hit shows it was pinwheel was what the company's name was they changed it to nickelodeon and then there was the show you you can't do this on television and that's where the slime came in well she took that and she kind of bumped it up a notch but she did a lot of research as far as like like tuning into like ad agencies and learning about the genre of what was happening at the time with young people and yep and also mtv because uh nickelodeon was owned by mtv they wanted to get she was looking at it and trying to get the same feel as what we were getting with mtv at the time so the ad revenue the ads and bumpers for nickelodeon in general which then came in the you know the orange splat of nickelodeon and then with the advertising for a new late night show, technically late night for kids called Snick, which was Saturday night Nickelodeon. The creation, like Snick's creation or original block was Clarissa Explains It All. After that, sure it was Roundhouse, then Ren and Stimpy, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Clarissa Explains It All was already on for about a year before they decided to put it on Snick. Roundhouse was a completely new show, which was a, I guess, a sketch comedy in a sense, but for kids, it was created by Buddy Sheffield. He was a former writer on In Loving Color, and then Rita Sheffield created and produced the series. Parts, just, but, uh, well, just to go back to Clarissa Explains It All, it was created by Mitchell Kriegman. I know it was one of the first shows that they 
had decided to put a female lead and then after that you know you have alex mack the amanda show and all these what was it the mystery files of shelby woo which was a nickel another nickelodeon show anyways clarissa explains it all had already been on for a year roundhouse was specific to the snick audience it was created for that which was a sketch comedy show and trying to remember some of the sketches that were on there i always remember that there was a a dad that would eat mayonnaise out of a jar I remember laughing hysterically at some of the stuff that was on there, but at the same time, I was still, you know, super young when this had come on. The next show was Ren and Stimpy, which we all know, well, at least most of us all know what Ren and Stimpy is. It was created by John Crifalsi. Okay, so... Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Ren and Stimpy was a Nicktoon, and it had been on for... I'm not sure if it was... It had, I think it was only a year. It only lasted uh, from 91 to 93 with a lot of the, a lot of the episodes on SNCC, but mostly Sunday mornings. Billy West was the voice of the characters. I think John, one of the creator was also one of the voices. And, you know, we'll do deep dives on some of these shows, but to be completely honest, I loved Ren and Stimpy as a kid. I had the Ren dolls. I had the Stimpy that farts. (laughs) Um, I had all that stuff, even some of the like little toys that they came out with. But looking back at it, watching episodes recently and yes, stoned, uh, of course, they are really problematic, (laughs) like very problematic. But you got to think it's the 90s, man. Exactly. But that's all I'll say about the problematic thing, because it's it was there for the time. Right. And I don't want to, you know, if someone says. You know, they couldn't make something like that today. I don't want to follow that statement. I think it's who are the people that wouldn't allow it to be made today. And that's kind of how I look at it. It's like shit that you saw movies back in the day, like Pulp Fiction or any of those types of shows or any of those movies. Yeah. (laughs) It's like how they couldn't be made. That's bullshit. Anything could be made today if there's an audience for it. And Ren and Stimpy for only being on for three years. And, you know, you had the Ren Stippy adult program mm-hmm. later on or whatever the hell that was. And that honestly was forgettable. But did you know uh, the creative Clarissa uh, explains it all? He worked on uh, Ren and Stimpy, too, and Rugrats and Rocco's Modern Life. So it, it all kind of connected in some weird way with the whole SNCC programming as far as that goes. But Clarissa explains it all. The creator, he worked on those other shows and... In an interview, he said this was like the most satisfying work he did was on that show. But as far yeah. as like you said, like the the company who actually made those shows. But it it yeah, it doesn't matter. I I thought it was Spumco, but I I think yeah, I'm not exactly sure who it was. The Roundhouse. Okay, so we have Clarissa explains it all. Yeah, it's Spumco. It says Spumco. Oh, okay. I was. He right. said originally produced by Spumco. They did a lot of uh, Nickelodeon programming in general. And then yes. once they were kind of ousted or like, oh, it's you just saw the, honestly, you saw the program, programming go to the wayside, especially once Geraldine Laybourne decided to go, the programming in general. I, but she's the one with the vision, right? She had basically this idea. She was the one with, you know, the vision that, because at first the only, it was only one sitcom. Uh, before Clarissa explains it all. And she had this idea for programming between 8 and 10 for teens. 
And people didn't want to cater to that demographic because it was said that, you know, between eight and 10, people of a certain age, like the young people, they're going to be out They're They're doing shit. They're not going to be at home watching TV. And she was like, no, there is no demographic that's going to be at home that's too young to be out in the bars or going out and clubbing, but too old to be going to sleep around uh, 10 o'clock. Like, shouldn't these kids be outside playing or something like that? But then there's kids like me that's like, hey, mom, let's get a pizza. And then it's like exactly. oh, super overweight and just like on the couch, like not wanting to be active at all, playing video games and whatnot. That was me. I'm just, I'm speaking for myself. No, for me too. Like, even, you got to think, man. Like, they cater to preteens and teens, right? Or, or even a little bit younger than that. So, like, 10 to about 14, like, you're, you're, your time frame of going out and playing and coming back home is like what you have to be home at least by nine o'clock right or at least by eight my shit was my my parents said my mom she said you got to be in by when the street lights came on so that mm-hmm. that was usually eight or eight thirty even even in the summertime it's like nine o'clock so yeah i would come home put on the tv and that was my night and i'm sure you're probably the same way like yeah you would probably play toys or do a lot of other things, but I think what I would do is come home, watch TV, and then play video games for the rest of the night. And I think she was kind of catering to that crowd, not only for the teens, but it actually panned out at its peak. Its highest ratings was between uh, 18-year-olds and 35-year-olds, especially with a show like Ren and Stimpy. But Carissa Explains It All was like the second major sitcom for Nickelodeon. And do you remember the first sitcom they had? Was well, it Pete and Pete? No, it wasn't Pete and Pete. Hey, dude. <laughs> yes, it was Hey. Really? I fucking hated that show. Uh, talking about the the shows in general, like the one that we haven't gone over yet, that was a part of the original lineup. Are you afraid of the dark? This is kind of the the big one because this is where they decided to put like a horror. It's a horror anthology series on. Nickelodeon. It was the last show to air. I think it was on 9.30. It aired from 1990 to 1996. So this is where it throws me off because I don't remember remember it being on in 1990. I remember, you know, 92, 93 going up because it was on SNCC. And I don't remember when this fucker aired when it wasn't on SNCC because this should have been was later on. I thought it was 92. The original series aired from 1990 to 1996. Oh. There were two uh, revival series, like, in 1999, and it lasted till 2000. And then the one that was on 2019, which I don't know, I don't think anyone watched. But this was, like, a horror anthology series. There's certain episodes that... So, Are You Afraid of the Dark? There's only a few episodes that I remember on this. And just to go over a little bit, and then we'll kind of get into, you know the memories of this stuff because i got a few mainly ren and stimpy i think and then clarissa explains it all roundhouse honestly i can't remember much thank you acid and um (laughs) massive amounts of weed no i was gonna say vision of that lady that you mentioned in the beginning like geraldine yeah geraldine laybourne she honestly dude it was a game changer for nickelodeon complete game changer real quick i just want to say are you afraid of the dark the uh, pinball wizard episode 
amazing. It was like Twilight Zone, but for teenagers and preteens. Not even teenagers, preteens and kids. Because that's that was the age group that they were looking for. Not teenagers, because they figured teenagers were, you know, going out and going to, what, sock hops and, you know, uh, fingering each other under the bleachers. But, yeah, it was mostly kids and preteens that they were going for. So it was crazy that, you know, they put Are You Afraid of the Dark on there. Shit, I would have nightmares of that fucking show and not even remember what the hell was going on. Along with like Tales from the Crypt, Jesus Christ, you showed a TV guide of that shit. Um, I've had. Oh yeah, I forgot to say, Jonathan, we found him at the food court <laughs> at the beach and we brought him home. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's Nick? Yeah. Let's see. Well, okay, so, John, where where we left off, we set the scene, you know, big orange couch on the beach. We lost you. We found you. Now we're all sitting on the couch together, and it's not a casting couch, if you know what I mean. It's a snake couch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not a Weinstein couch. Oh, oh yeah. Jesus you don't have to okay. do anything to get on it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a Viacom couch. That was all yeah, Viacom. It was a big, big wide Viacom. Couch. A lot of Viacom. <laughs> so yeah, we were talking about, and for the most part, we're talking about the original lineup. Clarissa explains it all, and then there was Roundhouse, Ren and Stimpy, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? I had mentioned a little bit about. You know, Ren and Stippy now technically could be problematic, but it was a a product of its time. Yes. It was, you know, the same thing with, uh, I'm trying to think, like other shows, even Pete and Pete, other sketch comedy shows like Kids in the Hall. Yes, it was a surrealist, surrealism. It was not, it yeah. didn't necessarily fit the bar of comedy that, I, I, let me say, uh, original comedy, it was more of a far out comedy, which I love mm-hmm. Ren and Stimpy. Their favorite sketch for me was Happy, Happy, it's Joy, the happy, Joy. Happy, Joy, Joy song. Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, Happy, Happy. That was my, oh, yeah. that was the favorite happy, one when they're doing happy, the booty slapping. And <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, have you listened to the lyrics? I, yeah, that? because he's, the guy who's singing is making fun of children's host. The, yeah. Who's doing it? But the the end part, I remember because I I repeat it. I repeated it for my son, yeah. and he just started cracking up. And I'm like, I told you, I'd shoot, <laughs> but you didn't believe me. Why didn't, Why you, believe didn't you believe me? me? <laughs> yeah. So I, it's funny, dude. Like I loved Ren and Stimpy. I I did, and the Ren and Stimpy show went into the adult party uh, experience. Yep. And then with with yeah. the adult party. I mean, that's when you were seeing, like, anime titties, and they were doing all kinds it, of stuff. But the thing was, too, it was, like, it was relatively forgettable, yeah, though. Yeah, it wasn't, Like, yeah. compared to the original episodes and going into, do you remember Roundhouse? I do remember Roundhouse. See, the only thing I remember is that dad character in the motorized chair yeah. that would eat mayo out of the the jar. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I don't know what it was. It was, like, a snack or something like that, and then... As, you know, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Now, that was a show that I was terrified of. I was even saying, it's like, that was on par for me with the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. Like, I was a scared little scared little boy all the time. So, if, if there was a TV guide of that shit downstairs, I'd freak out. I couldn't go downstairs. You see, John, I told, I told Aaron, like, I was like you. I didn't see these shows until I spent the night over my grandmother's house, which was not often. Yeah. 
So you guys are more of authority of a show like that. Like, were you, did you were you well versed in the show? Like, are you afraid of the yeah, dark? Yeah. So, are you afraid of the dark? Which was a Canadian show that was produced by YTV, and you'll notice there there was a lot of YTV productions on Nickelodeon. I, I don't know if it was a lot on SNCC, but I know Are You Afraid of the Dark was produced by YTV. And I know that it went for many seasons. And a lot of those stories reused the same characters depending on who was telling the story around the fire at the time. Whichever Midnight Society member was going to tell the story, they tend to use the same character. So if, let's say, Danny was going to tell the story... You know, it would be uh, one of his characters, Professor Such and Such, be starring in that show or in that story that night. So they, the continuity was always the same. Yeah, I'm with. So the I'm, same people that watch that show in the '90s are probably the same people who watch. I don't know if you guys know this show, but it's a show called American Horror Story, where it basically kind of does the same thing. Oh, that's uh, a good question, man. I or comment. I I don't know if these would be the. I would think anybody who's I mean the an, 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 an yeah so I would think anthologists people who follow anthologies will watch all of them cuz I'm like that I I growing up in that era tales from the crypt terrified me are you afraid of the dark really made me gave me the chills like on the back of my neck like what Aaron was saying so yeah. depending what tells it was tales of the crypt Consider an anthology like Are You Afraid yeah, of the Dark? Similar to like uh, Twilight yeah, Zone. Yeah, yeah. Because it was different stories every week. So yeah, it was it was similar. Like those are all in the same vein. Twilight Zone, amazing stories. Yeah. Monsters, uh, tale, yep. uh, Tales from the Dark Side, which was another oh. good one and had a fantastic <laughs> intro. Tales yes. from the Dark Side. Yeah. That used to fuck me up even probably. That was like undervalued, like that scared me more than even Tales from the Crypt yeah, sometimes. Tales from the Dark Side. I like the intro a lot. I just can't quote it what right like, now. <laughs> it was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was that. this dark ass techno goth music. Yeah, it was just yeah, weird. yeah. It was something weird. And it always had that boom, 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 boom. <laughs> So, well, I was going to say, like, going in, because we, we were kind of uh, going to stick to that main four. Yes. I think it, like, it basically, once you get into 1994, it changes. I think October uh, 94 was the last time that you had the original lineup. Clarissa explains it all, Roundhouse. Mm. Roundhouse, do you know, like, Roundhouse had, I think, over 50 episodes, and it only was on for maybe a year. At least Snick. Yeah. Snick lineup. I don't know if it was on beforehand. I know Clarissa Explains It All was. Are You Afraid of the Dark was, too. That started in the 90s. And Ren and Stimpy was also on beforehand. They were part of the Nicktoon block yes. that started uh, early in 1992. So Roundhouse had two different production companies that ran it. So Nickelodeon Studios ran it for season one. CBS Studios, Viacom, and all them mm -hmm. ran it for seasons two through four now what i did like about roundhouse was it had it was set up where the it it would roll like the performance stage would would turn like how a train roundhouse was back in the day for those yep. who follow trains they had these little rail 
ways that the train would park on and then it would turn. So that's how it was for the stage. It could do anything. So I did like that. And it was a good sketch show for kids, you know, for, well, not so much kids, but for teens. So it was, it was something that people in our age bracket now probably would watch maybe maybe yeah see like it's completely changed as to attention spans have gotten shorter we've had this conversation before especially with having you know younger kids the attention spans are just are are not there but i'm surprised at what some of the things that they're watching like older cartoons my kids are obsessed with hannah barbera all of a sudden ren and stimpy all this stuff where i'm like okay this there was something there and then after 94 as far as i was concerned it kind of all just i stopped watching after completely after uh, 1996 yeah all that was on and then you know secret world of alex mack space cases which i I never got into i only like space cases because it had walter but the black power ranger was this was one of the stars on space cases so i remember that that's the only reason why i watched it Keenan and Kel was part of Snick. Didn't you guys like that? Uh, no. Uh, Keenan oh. and, and, <laughs> and Kel, I didn't like their particular show, but I did like all that when all that yeah. first started. The first few seasons. Before Dan Schneider really got into film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there you go. Before, before it branched off into the Amanda show and everybody on there had to have their own show i was just like uh, and everyone seriously got fucked up yeah after that show you're just yeah. seeing what happened to all the people that were on that show yeah. at least two of them one of them is going or has charges pressed against him for what endangerment of a child yeah. which is uh what's his name drake <laughs> yeah yeah because that was josh and drake not josh yeah but oh uh, but yeah drake, yeah so just to talk a little more about snick actually looking at it there really isn't a lot on this other than a fucking wikipedia page and a, a vanity fair article yeah. like goosebumps was what 95 to 98 yeah and that was after are you afraid of the dark so did it influence that and when was boy meets world the reason why it was influential was because it gave a platform to kids yeah gave a platform to kids for late night to show that this viewership is viable is important and so from there Nickelodeon, not Nickelodeon exists as a whole now in other channels. You have Teen Nick and then, you know, you have regular Nickelodeon at the time expanded past Nick and Night. Nick and Night then became TV Land and you have a whole station filled with kids shows. Now, mind you, these shows now are not that good. No. And they're fucking terrible. They're Disney, like Disney shows and everything. You get these kids get popular. And yes, maybe there are kids. There is an audience for them. I am a 37 year old man. Of course, I'm not watching that shit anymore. But at the time, Snick in general laid out the groundwork to show that kids programming late at night was important. And it could and and it could work was a money man. And it could work. And on top of that. People want it more now for nostalgia purposes because Snick still comes on. It comes on TV Land. So you know how you know how you know something is nostalgia and just completely like a part of the culture is if they have a T-shirt at Target. Yes, that's the best way to sum it up. That is <laughs> yeah. the best way to sum it up because you could see Snick, SpongeBob, Taco Bell, 
Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. There's Sriracha even. Mickey Mouse. Batman. Mickey, sassy Mickey Mouse with the hands on the hip. You know, it's just like, um, <laughs> it's it's. you're absolutely right. You've made pop culture when you're at Target. So, you know, you're, yep. you're there, man. You know, or if you got a Funko Pop, which, you know, I... Co- Fuck everything. everything. Funko Pop makes everything Hell yeah, now. they made a White even Castle me- burger. I bought it. They made a White Castle Jesus burger. Christ. They made a little White Castle burger Funko. So, uh, what? Yeah. well, I was I was bringing it up because I thought maybe it influenced another network like ABC with the TGIF. Oh, um, so I was like, I wonder if because at the time, SNCC was the highest rated as far as that time slot yes. of all the networks for Fox. Saturdays. Yeah. Yes. For that time. Yep. And I know TGI was Friday, of course, but it's still the weekend. So I thought maybe it kind of, you know, influenced some other stuff. But well, I would say that TGIF influenced SNCC or at least that program. But you also have Geraldine Laybourne saw what was going on with MTV, saw the way that, you know, the teenagers and kind of like adults, innocent young adults in the 20s, sawing where TV was heading with Uh, with MTV because MTV owned Nickelodeon. So she knew that she was going to need bumpers and ads. It's like, you know, uh, the best thing that ever, the best ad uh, spot ever, and I think most people would agree to this, is when MTV said, I want my MTV. Yes. I want my MTV! I want my MTV. Nickelodeon, having these, you remember, like in the 90s, these weird little bumper, like advertisements for it that were so out there and so weird and then i can't you know what 100 i cannot remember the guy that took over after uh geraldine but he just kind of commercial like corporate made it corporate there wasn't anything weird about it anymore yeah. it was a whole revamp and then you got nick cannon coming in there with a fucking saturday night party yeah and then nick cannon nick cannon is probably one of i don't hate nick can i don't hate nick cannon <laughs> no, I-, I hate <laughs> what they did to nick cannon. yeah he's probably one of the more successful stories off of there next to Keenan Thompson who left yep. and went and became successful elsewhere. I haven't really heard of anybody else. I've I've went on my own and looked up these cast members just to see like Melissa I, Joan Hart did Oh yeah, movie. Melissa Joan Hart. She does well on ABC. She she does ABC Family and when Christmas rolls around they're working her ass up and down on the Hallmark Channel, <laughs> so you know she, she's for real. And she and she worked on both platforms. Clarissa yeah. explains it all. In '96, she went to ABC she, and, and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, SNCC in general was it elevated children's programming. It did. And the thing is, is that you know I I did the post about Geraldine on Instagram. And I had already mentioned it earlier on the episode, mainly because her foresight when it came to kind of how everything was going, it changed the game for us. It, it made us a viable audience. Kids, I think, have less of a voice today when it comes to programming. I think it's more corporate. It, it just seems colder. These like shows about twins and witches and all this bullshit yeah. that just comes out. It, it has no creativity. It's all cookie cutter stuff. You look at iCar is the same as uh, God what? and they're bringing iCarly back too they did yeah. no they already did yeah yeah iCarly. there's episodes out except Sam isn't back on oh, Sam the character isn't back on that show yeah, she's well, you gotta quit understand, acting Aaron. Yeah. 
Yeah. The advertising game them. has changed, man. Like they're not only getting like group studies of what people watch as far as like they don't need that anymore. Like all the things that you let me slow down. Kids never had cell phones at a certain age when we were kids. Like we didn't have cell phones until we were in our twenties. That that's not the same anymore. So they're getting all these fucking statistics and algorithms from people 10 or younger like it's different man they're catering to what people see on their fucking phones on their on their fucking laptops so i think they're just catering more to what people are watching because everything is fucking it, this is my conspiracy theory uh portion of the fucking show there we go they don't even have, they're, yeah they're like oh what they're watching they're watching more of uh of game shit okay let's write a script about that shit yeah it's, uh, it's all it's very lazy. It's very lazy. You know what, man? I could back you up on that. These motherfuckers <laughs> and their commercialization of every holiday. Is just well, I absurd. think, yeah, he, he's got a point when it comes to that. Yeah. Geraldine, she had respect for her yes. audience. And then once she was out or more or less, I think, retired from that position, everything kind of changed. Yeah. And I think children's programming changed a lot via that too and you had you know uh saturday morning cartoons and whatnot and then you had that you don't really have that type of programming anymore for kids on saturday nights or at least from what i see that's popular yeah i think based off what you're saying geraldine had a formula that worked it changed because people wanted something different like it's more uh it's kind of like they Geraldine had a slow cooker mentality when it came to producing and bringing out shows while other producers came on. You get all the fucking, you know, the the sizzle, the crackle, that delicious fat. And now... It's just fucking... (laughs) I'm talking about food. I'm so hungry. (laughs) And then they talk about... And then other producers come in and they want a fast food mentality. We want it now, now, now. And you can tell tell by the production of the shows because... Shows that came on after that, iCarly, Drake and Josh. Uh, what is it? The other one, uh, Brothers Garcia. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, we have to, it just like, it lost all creativity. It was the same yeah. shows over and over and yeah. over again. And you can't. She became the president of Disney? Did you know that? Who? I, who? I did? Geraldine. She did? When? She worked at Disney from 1996 when she became the president of Disney ABC Cable Networks. Hey, that's great. Good for her. And she was the co-founder of Oxygen Media. Oh, okay. So that's another channel that has a specific audience. I think that's a ladies channel, I think. I think I could be wrong. No, you're right. Yeah. Well, most mostly. Yeah, after 96 she became the Disney president, ABC Network. Yeah. yeah. From but from 96 to 98. Yeah. And then from 98 to 2007 it was Oxygen Media. Oxygen Media. Partnered with Oprah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Little little shit. tag for Geraldine. Hey, Snick, you could put it down any way you want to. Snick changed the way that programming went for, for kids on Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. Period. It changed the game. Yep. And I don't, my personal opinion, I don't think it's ever recovered once she left no, Nickelodeon. No, it hasn't. You're absolutely right. Because you have, and example, Snick House. There you go. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Good night, Look everybody. Look it up, kids. Yeah. Count it. Yeah. <laughs> We're back, baby. Woo! Yeah, Streamers. season two starting off season on, a, two. on a snick bang. 
<laughs> on a snick. Snick bang. Before we leave today, I did want to give a shout out to, and I, I know of this place, and it's not a place, but it's a vending company. They're bringing the art of vending back. It's Detroit Land Vending. Putting smiles on faces in random places is their tagline. They have vending machines located in Regeneration Clothing. I used to work there, which is an awesome resale shop, and the ladies that run it, Mel and Nicole, are fucking amazing people. And then they also have one in Flamingo Vintage Detroit. Well, Flamingo Vintage in Detroit. They're just super cool people, ran by Brandy and Ryan Koch. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting them, but like I was telling you guys, the vending machines that they have, it's it's pogs, it's old tops, like cards, wrestling cards, from the 90s, McDonald's toys. I don't know where they get this stuff from. Oh, it's a nostalgia vortex. They get it, it from is like another dimension. Insane. Insane with the stuff that they come up with here. But I just wanted to mention them because I am super impressed with the stuff that they're putting out. And then also just the uh, free blockbuster little cases that are going up around Detroit are all around Michigan. It's literally you, you know, you see the take a book, leave a book little things around well they have one that just says blockbuster on it someone puts up these little blockbuster looks like newspaper stands and you just put movies in there vhs's and dvds and you can go in there and grab them it's fucking awesome yes do they have a website or anything did you already well detroit land vending doesn't have a website but they do have an instagram at detroit land vending it's just detroit land vending yeah no, it, it's a pretty awesome company, and I'm, I think they're going to... It's just, it, to me, that's like a movement, a nostalgia movement. We're seeing it more and more, but um, we're glad to be back, guys. And we got a pretty awesome season ahead of us, some ridiculousness with these topics. And hopefully we'll be pumping out little small segments produced by myself and other things down the line we just want to keep growing and growing and we hope you grow with us we're not talking about boners people mm-hmm. not talking about boners and keep reviewing keep reviewing yes. and keep oh my god keep keep letting us know what you like and what you dislike i mean you know we haven't had any dislikes except the one from season 1 on the over the street fighter humming but we definitely <laughs> you didn't see you didn't see the other one uh uh-uh. uh no the guy like comes out and he says hey aaron I will meet you on any street corner and I will beat the shit out of you. You and your two co-hosts, bring it on. His name was David Schwimmer. (laughs) (laughs) Throwback, motherfucker. David Schwimmer, huh? Hey guys, it's Aaron. You think you could do me a big fave? Wherever you're listening to this right now, rate and subscribe. Find new episodes every Wednesday where you listen to podcasts and look for us on all the social media sites and Gmail at After School Special Podcast at Gmail, After School Special Podcast at Instagram and Facebook, and After School SPE3 on Twitter. Now we're all sitting on the couch together, and it's not a casting couch, if you know what I mean. It's a snick couch. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's not a Weinstein couch.